Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Oh my goodness, back again with the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcast Network. This is episode 118, uh, and I am your Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, your host, here with a cavalcade of regular folks who are with me and a very special guest star for a very special first segment, uh, which will uh, be a part of our show from ongoing. But uh, from the right to the left on my screen, I have the awesome Jen Watson from Chicago. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so man, Peter Stein from right here in West Michigan, my chief engineer on the USS Grand Petoskey. Hello. Hey. Hey, hey. And uh, the, the gentleman who joins us from time to time, offering his satirical takes, taking apart Star Trek, uh, my co-host of 30 years, Mr. Todd Oxra. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm ancient. Yes, I mean, yes, he is, he is, he is the, he is as ancient as the Oracle of Adelphi. I am the guardian of forever. <laughs> I like it. Ever, 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 ever. Yes, I had a little reverb. Um, but yeah, we, we have a fun new segment that we're debuting uh, this week, which I've teased, talked about it uh, here, talked about it over on Secret Friends Unite, our main podcast with Todd. Uh, but before we get into that, gotta pay the bills by giving some love and affe affection to our fantastic Patreons. Uh, we do have a great Patreon site over at patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite. All three of the folks uh, with me today have done Patreon segments with me on a recurring basis uh, over on my show, Boop, 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 uh, the t-shirt I'm wearing. Uh, the Facts of Geef Life, uh, both Jen and Peter uh, have broken down a, a season of a classic series with me. Todd, you have as well. We tackled Sliders a while back, which I know you didn't love, but we had fun. Uh, and then, Sliders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so perfectly 90s. Uh, but Todd and I uh, do a uh, recurring uh, podcast called Spin Around. Uh, on the uh, Patreon, where we cover a usually a trade paperback of a different series, and we always have a good time. So those uh, two shows come out on alternating Fridays, and we have a lot of other cool content. We've got some cool stuff, uh, some cool interview. We're launching a new interview show, so we're actually pretty excited about that as well, Todd and I, uh, of which other other SFU stars will probably get involved. Um, so anyway, uh, over on our Friends with Benefits level, Corey in HD, John Sidorf, the awesome Phoenix Sisters cosplay, Brendan Myers and friend to the show, Matthew Keel. BFF level, we have the awesome Nias family, the Twin Cities, Sean, Stella, and Henry, and our friend and collaborator, Missy Merchant. So thank you to all of you for your ongoing support. Again, please visit patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite for a free seven-day trial. Check out our wares, and if you like what you hear, please feel free to stick around. Okay. Uh, we have some actual news this week. Quick bits, because we want to get into the main thrust of the program. Uh, we have uh, an actual announcement. Uh, these are uh, headlines from trekmovie.com uh, of the uh, actual casting of the Section 31 TV movie. A TV movie is a first for Star Trek, if I'm not mistaken, unless I'm drawing a blank, besides yes, the short correct. Trek. 
besides the short tracks were which weren't a movie at all, uh, but they were not an episode. Um, so this is cool. This is going to be a show starring, obviously, Michelle Yeoh as her Empress Giorgio character that we met in Discovery Seasons 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and we got a cast of people that I know one of them because I love uh, I love Sam Richardson, who I see pictured here. There was a great show on Comedy Central called Detroiters a number of years back. Uh, and I'm a Detroiter, so I appreciated that. But he was most recently uh, an awesome character, I thought, in Ted Lasso, which was a show I was very late to the party with. But but I had Todd and, and Mark Carabin, our third co-host, kind of badgering me about that show for a very long time. But, um, yeah, we've got some other names in here. I'm not necessarily going to blast through all of them, but I'll simply ask my co-host, guys, anybody on here that's jumping out at you that you're like, oh man i love that guy slash girl slash person anybody no any of them so no one i've heard of i mean the fact that we haven't heard of them is fine though i mean it it just means that it's not what we expected that it would be um recent article that i wrote that was about that uh too where it's not the section 31 spanning time and universes where we're gonna get you know sloan and bashir and reed and Right. William Boimler, you know, like we're not getting that, but I think what we are going to get is going to be interesting. And yeah. I'm just going to go into it with an open mind. Michelle Yeoh's great. Yep. So I, I trust them. Yeah. Cool. 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 Any other thoughts, guys? Uh, the second uh, the actress, uh, let's see, Casey Roll, uh, she's done a lot of genre stuff. So she hardly, she was actually in the reboot of V series. So oh, nice. Okay. Uh, she was also in uh, Magicians, which is a series I love. So uh, sounds like a lot of these actors, yeah, uh, are really uh, doing uh, pieces that are, you've seen them before. You might be like, oh, I recognize them. But I'm glad, to your point, uh, you know, getting a little bit of unknowns does help add mm-hmm. to the mystery. We don't know what type of actor they're like and what they'll add to the role. Would be Right, exactly. Instead of the same old, same old. No, I totally agree. So, uh, follow the link uh, on uh, Trek Movie if you'd like to learn more. But again, just kind of a brief touch. Uh, one is assuming with the casting announcement, uh, production will be imminent. So, uh, yeah, it actually says right here that our, according to our previous reporting, production was set to begin yesterday, and this is an article. Yeah, I believe the production's already underway. And uh, is set to run for about six weeks through March 13. So there you go. Uh, so with March 13, I would put this out here probably a year or so. So maybe this time next year, we'll uh, we'll get our claws on this over on Paramount. Plus. On how many? Yeah, SFX it's guys. Not in the fall. Involved. Oh, yes. you know, depending on how much you know how much post they have to do, it's not like they have to do a bunch of post on like a whole right. season. It's you know, right. It's made for TV movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and a made for TV movie would be you know a double length episode, which they produce a, an episode in a, a month or something. Yeah. Who you're, that's a very good point. Who's we'll say? get it when we get it. <laughs> yeah, it would be super cool uh, if we did uh, did see this this year. So, and then secondly, uh, from the, uh, the what I call potpourri, and, and we were talking a little bit about this in the B roll. Uh, Todd and I are kids of the '80s. We grew up with the uh, sitcom Night Court, uh, which has had a recent revival, uh, and it's very trust me, it's very sitcommy. Uh, so if you enjoy that stuff and you have the uh, nostalgia for it, so much the better. Uh, but John Larroquette is one of the heritage stars uh, of that show. He played uh, he played smarmy DA Dan Fielding in the original show, and in this, he's he's back in the same role. Not smarmy, thankfully, because that would 
just kind of be a, a, a one note. But anyway, uh, just uh, contemporaneously, when that show came out in 1984, he was also in Star Trek III, my favorite film. He was a member of the Klingon crew, where the ship was helmed by uh, none other than Christopher Lloyd as Commander Krug. Uh, the character was known as Maltz. Uh, he was the only survivor of that ship that uh, Kirk said, uh, I'll kill you later. And uh, once they took the ship and we never saw him again. So we don't know if that happened, but it probably didn't. I have to ask. Did he, in the episode, say anything about how he does not deserve to live? Don't get ahead of me now, Peter, because you, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse. I haven't you're, seen it. It's a legitimate you're, question. You're, you're burying the lead. But anyway, uh, he doesn't, unless I wasn't paying attention. But anyway, uh, in this past week's episode of The New Night Court, which stars Melissa Rauch of The Big Bang Theory, if you're not familiar, uh, as the main character, she's the judge. He's back in his old job, or he's he's the, he's actually the defense lawyer, I think, on the show. Uh, in an episode centered around Comic-Con, a very generic event. Of course, there was Comic-Con in New York City, which is where this is set. Uh, he has to infiltrate by dressing up as a Klingon-like individual. Now, it's funny, if you look at the headshot in this article I've shared, as Peter pointed out in the pre-roll, he appears to be wearing Michael Dorn's Klingon ridges, uh, and he already has a beard, has long hair, but his outfit is very generic-y, Ren Faire, kind of, whatever. Obviously, they don't want to get sued. It's not on Paramount+. Plus. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun callback in name only. Uh, yeah, if you see, if you have the link open that I shared with you guys, as you scroll by, you see him kind of head to toe, and it looks... Absolutely nothing like a Klingon. But uh, yes, and he is flirting with uh, a Catwoman uh, played by uh, heritage actress uh, Wendy Malick, who has actually never been in Star Trek, one of the few that I can, unless I'm mistaken. Um, but anyway, it was fun, but it was dumb. And it was, like I said, it was played for dumb laughs for people who, you know, watched the Big Bang Theory and thought, what a bunch of nerds. And the, the entire show was really kind of focused around. Uh, how Comic-Con is full of dweebs. So yes, it's, it is, it is chew for the masses. Uh, did, I didn't find it offensive uh, because I, I, I typically don't get offended by sitcoms if I can help it. Um, but I thought, I thought it was kind of cute. And at the end he does scream con like Comic-Con. Wow. Really nailed it there. He looks like a Klingon that walked out of Game of Thrones. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Oh, they, they do allude. Uh, if you keep scrolling down to a, uh, there's a clip posted uh, from the sixth season of Night Court where uh, Bull, who is the bailiff in that show, Richard Mull, who recently passed away, is breaking up some pseudo uh, Star Trek people that came from a con in really poorly off-brand. Oh. This was uh, this was, uh, and then you actually you do see uh, John Larroquette over Bull's uh, elbow there in the, and just in this, the cap here. But it appears to be the divide between TOS and TNG as the one character is wearing a bad green knockoff of the TNG uniform with Jordy's visor. And also remember that Brent Spiner got, had an early role on the show as Bob the Luckless Hick, I believe was how he was always credited. So um, Todd, you also watched Night Court, but you said that you haven't caught up. Um, and again, I don't feel like anything that I've said uh, will necessarily uh, ruin your experience. So if I did, sorry. <laughs> no, and and the, the greatest thing about this article is the fact that, you know, John Lurkett was in, interviewed by Starlog, which Starlog needs to come back. Can we like please, you know, please. reboot Starlog? Starlog? Just Starlog.com. Let's do it. Somebody, Let's somebody buy, buy it. it. Yeah, out there. Everybody wants to start writing articles for a newspaper. We'll get some or a magazine, a zine. Maybe just make a zine. Very cool. <laughs> Print it on our our, our Canon uh, printers and 
Distributes the masses. You better believe it. All right, well, that's it for the news. Nothing too sexy. Uh, we don't have any shows on the horizon until we get back to Discovery, which leads me in to our brand new, super exciting segment one of the show, which we are calling Ooh. Random Sode, or episode, if you need to be that guy. Uh, what, we're, uh, what we're doing is that several weeks ago, uh, the, the, in our core cast here, Peter, Jen, and uh, Aaron, who's not uh, with us today, uh, sp- you know, stumbled upon an idea that I had, let's do a random generator a la a d20 die or whatever you want to call it. I'm not a D&D guy, as you know. And we'll roll for series. There are 12 selections, uh, being that uh, we counted the short treks in the animated series, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, then roll for the appropriate number of seasons of that program. Then you roll for an episode, and you have your random sewed. So who was the person who rolled for the first one? Was it me? I can't remember. This was yours. This was mine. You bet. So yes. I rolled uh, I rolled a, uh, a four, and then a two, and then a ten, which gives us Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 10, Vanishing point. <laughs> All right. So at Todd's request, because Todd is not super familiar with Enterprise, to quickly summarize, if, if you're one of our listeners who is uh, working their way through Star Trek, potentially uh, you like you, know, you like one of the newer shows, you're going back and watch some of the Heritage stuff on Paramount Plus or elsewhere. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise starred Scott Bakula, uh, was also set on a ship, but we are 100 years prior to the original series uh, with Earth. Starfleet. This is the first vessel uh, that Earth uh, has come up with it with a warp five engine, which allows them to travel greater distances. And so they're getting into new parts of their galaxy that they've not visited before. Uh, this introduces newer forms of technology, new you know phase pistols, which are a little bit more like phasers, uh, and the transporter, which is uh, was uh, this is the first vessel in which a transporter, which is approved to beam people around uh, by, you know, breaking their molecules down, putting them back together, you know, very, very standard heritage part of the Star Trek franchise. Um, was This was the first ship to have something like that. So, all right. So th- this has to do with uh, a couple of our characters and the... Uh, the you know the the transporter going awry, which in the pre-roll, uh, Jen, before you jumped on, Peter and Todd and I were talking. How many episodes do we have where the transporter going awry drives the plot? And we several <laughs> came up with between ten and fifteen. That is a big number, <laughs> but again, in nine hundred episodes, it's really it's really a small number. It's all very relative. So, all right, so. We're getting the episode rolling. Uh, I'll, I'll read a couple of graphs from my notes, and then we can just kind of go, we'll say, clockwise, my view. So I'll talk a bit, and Jen, if, I'll slide over to Jen. Peter, you jump in, and then Todd from your notes as well. And then we'll, ju- we'll just kind of keep it fluid. We won't go forever, uh, but we'll do as deep a dive as really re- uh, necessary for this episode, uh, depending on how you feel about it. So, all right. So are you ready? I'm going to take that as a yes. Okay. So we get the episode rolling in the cold open. Uh, Hoshi and Trip, Trip is the engineer, Hoshi's the comm officer, are doing a trip on an archaeological site and he's taking pictures. Still not really sure why it's the two of them and nobody else, but there they are. Uh, now, I did know, Jen, you'll appreciate this as a, as a fan of Voyager. He's got a camera that he's snapping pictures with that just looks like my iPhone, but... <laughs> Several hundred years in the future, when the doctor on Voyager has a camera, it's like five times the size. 
Yeah. So are you did 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 camera technology suffer some catastrophic like change uh, in the time in between? Well, the doctor's camera is a holographic imager. Oh, okay. So, so it's not just holograms. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Like Three sixty. Yeah. Everything information. What an easy getaway for them. So yep. trips trips is trips is just an iPhone. It's going to the cloud. <laughs> he can put it on Instagram. Good stuff. So anyway, you know, as naturally, you know, things are cool for a second, and then boom, we got we got some trouble. There's a storm coming in. Uh, you go back up to the bridge. There's a lot of exposition. This thing is happening. That thing is happening. We the shuttle pod that they flew down in can't take off. We're gonna have to use the transporter. I'm sure that everything will be absolutely fine. Uh, and then, of course, it turns into all right. We can now beam you up, but only one at a time. What? Could something go wrong there? And Hoshi's all, well, I don't like it. It's super scary. Yada yada yada. We're just we're really we're leaning. We haven't even gotten to the credits yet. We're really leaning in uh, while she's she's griping about it, and then uh, she gets beamed up. Everything seems fine. Or is it? Okay. <laughs> then we jump into the theme song. Jen, it's been a long road. <laughs> where, where do you land? With the, where do you land with the theme song? I know it, it, it gets <laughs> so much hatred. So, are you a lover or are you a hater? I love it. Um, I me too. I can't help it. I I was iffy at first. Uh, like, I mean, I watched this as it aired, more or yeah. less. Um, yeah, same. So. Uh, I was, I was iffy. I'm like, what, what, why was it words? But like, now I'm watching it. I'm like, I can't skip the intro. I'm singing along. I'm, I like it. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I do love it. Just punctuating with, there was a great story when we interviewed John Billingsley, uh, who played Dr. Flox, Mm -hmm. uh, that he talked about when he was driving onto the set one day that there were protesters outside of uh, Paramount Studios that were just protesting the theme song. That was it. They didn't have any other objections. That was that was the, that was the that was the, the hill that they wanted to die on. Um, a song really quickly written by Diane Warren. Uh, and the, if you remember the the late '90s film Patch Adams, which starred Robin Williams, there's a version of this song sung by Rod Stewart, which is just how I choose to remember it because I love Rod Stewart. I was anyway, going to say the guy singing like, this sounded exactly like this Rod was sung somewhere else. Yeah, yeah this before is. this, before hmm. this, yeah. So I this song it was written specifically for Enterprise. It was. Okay, it, no. it was not. It was not. Yeah, because I think Patch Adams came out in '97, '98. I don't know. That's 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 a job for Mr. Google. Feel free to hit us up on. Thread. I couldn't get uh, Bob Seger to do a song for this trailer. Oh my God! <laughs> Can you imagine Bob Seger singing this Michigan Zone? That's that's a good grab, Todd. I, I appreciate that. All right. Oh, I said it, it's a great intro song, but it's worse with captions. <laughs> if you have to read it along. <laughs> All right. So How will you sing along? It's the karaoke oh, version. That's very true. Oh, very good. All right. So I'm going to turn it over to Jen. Jen, uh, we're through the song. We're into the cold open. Yeah. What, what happens next? So Hoshi is feeling like something's not quite right. Right. Um, she uh, decides that she's going to be able to go to work. Archer says that no, you should really have the day off. This was something that I really appreciated because so many times in Star Trek, you have officers experiencing some sort of trauma and then like just going right back to work. So the fact is recognizing that like, you should really take it easy. I I liked that. That was a good recognition that like, we're fine. Um, So she goes to take some rest. Um, 
And she goes to the mess hall and she's like, can I sit here? And then like, no one's listening to her. And then she asks again, can I sit here? They start talking about this guy, Cyrus Ramsey, whose molecules were scattered across wherever. Uh, It's this ghost story from their survival days. She's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Um, She said, I I went, I went to the, to the Flint, Michigan campus of Starfleet Academy. (laughs) 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 <laughs> which, if you're not from Michigan, there is at University of Michigan, which is an incredible school, even though Todd and I are MSU grad, has a campus in downtown Flint, which less said about that, the better. No offense, Todd. I know you're, you're extension from the schools, Flint area. Yeah, all the yes. extension schools, yes. Yes, exactly. So anyway, yes, uh, the Flint campus of Flint <laughs> Academy. So anyway, she goes sorry. to see Flox. She's like, something's wrong. Flox is like, you're fine. You're just overreacting. Just go get some sleep. Um, then she do- goes to get some sleep. Turns out she overslept. She missed the beginning of her shift. Um, Terrible. And she goes to the bridge and uh, trip and Mayweather have been taken hostage by the planet, yeah. by the, by the aliens. And it's yeah, like, they had to go there down. There were no aliens yeah. there. There was no life signs there. So right. what's going on? Um, and they're getting these messages from them and Archer's telling her, just talk to them, just talk to them. And it's like, she can't, parse their language it's not that easy you can't just work with nothing to figure out what it is so they're they're treating it like she's got this superpower to just like understand every language like doug ramsey or something and like she can't so it's this like he's not getting that this is difficult for her she's starting to sort of break down going something is really wrong here something's wrong um they have someone else come in and do her job. So she's like, okay, no one can see me. No one can hear me. Someone else is doing my job. This sucks. Watch the days go by. Do, do, yeah. Do, do, do. It's a this is not my beautiful house. This <laughs> is not my beautiful job. Uh, this is not my beautiful. Everyone's in the shower. Well, not everyone's in the shower, but like it wouldn't be an episode of Enterprise if someone wasn't in the shower, right? Somebody has to be some degree of naked. Yeah. That's yeah. It's, a very um, naked, it's a very nakedy show. But that's that That was the time. That was what they were trying to do to get some ratings. Cause the aughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Oh, my gosh. Um, so yeah, in the shower, she's like, the water's going through me. This is not right. She's got a couple more incidents of people just not being able to see or hear her. Um, the turbo lifts aren't working for her. The doors aren't opening for her. Something is really wrong at this point. Um, everyone's still selling her. It's all in her head. She's <sighs> And all to me, that's that's head. kind of frustrating because it's like, I know people who have had things that are like medically wrong with them and their doctors just blow it off. And it happens disproportionately mm-hmm. to women. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what this reminded me of. Yeah. So oh, um, who's next? Take it away. Peter, please. So we're at the point. Let's see where we leave off. Oh, jump us forward to uh, to the scene in the gymnasium. So she's in the gymnasium. Trip is in there. And they're rapping. The weird gyroscope thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't really yeah. figure out. Um, I don't know what that's supposed to do. Yeah, like and I, and then make she, your stomach better for dealing yeah. with the dialogue being thrown around and dealing with <laughs> regulation rocks. I don't know. Right, and then um, there's the also the the chair where there's a there's like a little keypad on the wall or something. Anyway, go ahead, please. Um, so she goes to the gym, you know. <clears throat> Because she's still not working, so she's got to go find something to do. And right, no TV. Mm. What do you do? You go to the gym. Um, 
So Trip's there doing his weird hamster ball thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, Hoshi then is like, okay, hey, are you experiencing anything weird? Because some, something's up and I think it might have something to do with the transporter. And he's like, nah, it's, I'm not experiencing anything as he's upside down. Um, so the, the hilarity of that scene is just amazing because he's like, I'm totally fine as he's hamster balling it up. So, um, yeah. Um, so he tries to like make jokes or try to make her feel better. And it, he's being or, trip. He's yeah. trip is being trip. He's trying to help in the only way that trip can, which is being a dork, which yeah. is fine. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's Star Trek. It, it, yeah, it, it's it's trip. So nothing against him. He's just a dork. That's just how he is. Um, so she, he, he even suggests like, Hey, what if you take a sedative to try to, you know, Calm, calm down, down a little bit. It's like, okay, that's she's and legitimately she's like, that's not what I need. I need to figure this out. Um, and then uh she finds out that she can't really operate anything, doors, whatever. Um, and then she goes to the mirror and suddenly disappears. Oh no. Right. And conveniently uh can reach through things, but is ends up being stuck in the gym. Oh, all right, Todd, you're, ne- you're next. Take, take us over. From- I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certain, yeah, densities. Yeah. Maybe it's lead. Maybe the door. Well, because you see know. her subsequently, she doesn't, yeah. she's not able to get out yeah. um, until someone lets her out. And yeah. then she ends up in sick bay where she can sit on a desk, but still can't get through doors. But anyway, go ahead, please, Todd, you're next. What, what, what's going uh, on back next? To the gym, though, the power blocks, the, the weights, those are actual real weights. So they right. use yeah, like, they a real thing for modern, from current technology for the future. So glad to see that company's still doing well and got right. conquered in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it, it goes worse and worse uh, for her because essentially now she's essentially a ghost uh, following a, a, along with different members of the crew. Uh, they're basically talking about her. Um, we have uh, Flox and Trip uh, investigating, kind of getting closer to say, hey, we actually uh, looked and saw that we do see, uh, on closer examination, her molecules are actually disassociating. And she is, you know, going to disappear. And so mm-hmm. we have to track her, and we don't know where she is now. So Trip and the doctor go searching for a spot that they think she may be. Uh, along the same way, Archer now has to, you know, do what every good captain will have to do and then contact the family mm-hmm. who the, 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 the dad is been in Star Trek before. I assume. Yeah, right? he, he's a that dude. It's not Clyde Karatsu, yeah. who's an older guy who we see as an admiral and stuff, but he's totally something. Guys, back me up here. You, do you recognize him right off the tip? Uh, I have to grab his picture. Give me a second. There we go. I don't recognize him. But he's also, I'm yeah, he's great at recognizing. He's also, he was, he was Buck Bukai. Ah, there you go. Oh. And that's in my notes. Duh. That's, yeah, Buck Bukai was another uh, imaginary character in early, <laughs> early episode of DS9. So, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm probably going to miss some, some story beats here, but, you know, essentially, no, no, no. No big deal. Um, yeah, we have uh, Trip and the Doctor. They found in like the corridors, like this goo. And they were taking a sample of the goo, so they thought it was going to be her. So that was something they've got to give to her parents and say, "Here's all that's left of your daughter." Here you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send it. We'll send it space UPS, and uh, it'll get there in six to twelve years. Yeah, how would they even get it to her? You know, or to them? You know, so 
Yeah, just yeah, get it's her. It's not stone. slime. It's your daughter. Sorry. Yeah, uh, but it is green. It, it, it was it, a little green. It's dark green. Yeah, exactly. So there, you know, there, there's, you know, essentially, they kind of said eventually she's just going to disappear. We have to do something quick, and obviously, it doesn't go according to pl- plan. But uh, Hoshi is now hearing the voices of the aliens, and then she decides, oh no, they're doing a, a, a bomb. Uh, we have to stop <laughs> them. Thing. Yeah, we're doing a bomb. We got to stop them, and she's gonna try to stop them. And I'm not sure what she can do because she's trying to use devices and see if she can interact with it. Doesn't work. Right. Um, but then she sees them about when it's about to go down. She sees them use a, uh, a, a transporter. So she decides to get over her fears and just, you know, follow them for the safety of the crew to hopefully do something. Right. And that's kind of the end of the story because i'm looking how much time is left oh there's like four minutes left in this episode so it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a voyager ending because you guys don't appreciate that if you're watching voyager and it's on at 8 p.m and it's 8 52 you're like oh they're gonna find a way to wrap this up in a way that seems super convenient (laughs) unless it's a two-parter but i wasn't expecting it so right yeah exactly she's transporter adventure a two-part exactly why not (laughs) a two-part dive all right i'll jump in and i'll take us home so uh, a ghost Hoshi or Goshi, uh, as I Hoshi. call her, uh, is yeah trying to trying to break down these the, the bombs. And I did write the aliens have super common uh, alien Star Trek gibberish language, which I feel like she should be able to pick out because it's like ah it's just it all really sounds the same. Um, but for the purpose, that's very of this, uh, yeah. that's very speciest of you, Charlie. Yeah. I know. Sorry, I know. Same. I know. Oh, great! I, I've just gotten myself canceled on my own show. Uh, but you anyway, cannot, yes. you cannot visit Kronos anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I learned a little bit of Klingon by watching Star Trek Three. But anyway, all right. So yeah, she she jumps on their transporter after they've set up the bombs and stuff, and then oh my goodness, the great news is she materializes on the Enterprise pad, and none of that stuff happened. She's totally fine. It took eight point nine seconds, and uh, she's good. But she jumps off and says, "We got to catch the aliens." They're like. Woman, what are you talking about? Go to sickbay. And she's talking to Flax. And Flax is, of course, the voice of reason. And he's like, yeah, we're, you were in there for eight seconds, but it was only the last two seconds that you were that you that, that this episode took place. So it's all good. And then they pat her on the head and the episode is over. So <laughs> what a letdown. There is a reason why Barkley is afraid of transporter segments. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because even in that episode, which is early in season six, so it'll be we'll be talking about it eventually uh, on this show. Uh, it was, you know, he actually accomplished something by getting stuck in the transport because he was able to to rescue like trapped crew members or something. And this there's no there's nothing. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of the it's episode. It's all in her head. It's all in your head. So, uh, wh- why don't we go around the horn? Uh, I say give it a, a final rating uh, out of t- out of ten uh, transport out of ten transporter episodes. Ooh, well, no, that that, that that would that would be ranking it, and I don't want to go that far. It'll just be out of ten. Uh, I give this one a three out of ten. What a stinker! Uh, I said, Hoshi doesn't make a very convincing Alan McBeal. Nobody listens to me. I don't know. Alan McBeal might be a reference that goes over anybody's God. head. But me. <laughs> <laughs> Alan McBeal, if you know who Callista Flackhart is, she's actually Harrison Ford's wife. They, oh, you've never heard of Harrison Ford? That's surprising. Well, I've heard of Harrison Ford. <laughs> 
I don't pay yeah, attention explain to the, the reference, Charlie. Might as well move much. on. I will. I was yes. Uh, Ally Meepio was a terrible show on Fox in the late '90s that my mother loved, and it was there was a anyway. It was a whole thing. Um, but yeah. like a lawyer with personal problems, right? And dancing, dancing yeah, and the dancing yeah. baby and Vonda Shepard did all the songs in the bar they they hung out in. Just Google it. But anyway, uh, no character development, no stakes nothing of value except jen i did you it does really on a kind of a socio you know lo, uh gender level social like. commentary level yes, I, was, of, yeah. I, was, I was looking for a something and you helped me find it i appreciate that yeah it does really underscore the fact that people generally ignore women when they say hey i have a real problem particularly on the medical side and that's right. because she in in up until the last five minutes of the episode she did have a real problem yeah. and yeah so i'm like okay cool this is like a six and a half maybe before the last five minutes and then the last five minutes just drove it to your final rating which is way down yeah yeah um i i don't know because like like a four maybe like it's not the worst episode there's there's still something to say about it it reminds me a lot of um the next phase from next generation where jordy and Rowe had the same yeah yeah the same i can can walk through walls but not fall through right and i can sit on you know tables and stuff but like that episode was more more poignant because you had you know data morning jordy and like you had the struggle more to say with this one this was like no one seems to care that she's missing or dead it's a real real bummer (laughs) yeah but but that might be the thing that she's afraid of too so as far as a character development for hoshi to know what she's afraid of or concerned of i i have to say that that part of it is valid at least it's just that ending yeah it's it's all a dream is always one of those endings it's like me yeah, right. Hey, at least she didn't wake up in the shower. Oh, yes. Oh, there's another reference. I was in the shower to begin with. <laughs> yeah, she, the bottom oh. of the shower. she never left. <laughs> yeah, she never left. Still in the shower. All right, Peter. How about, her head. how about you? Um, I would probably, uh, like Jen, give this a four. Um, it's not an amazing episode. There are things that I really like about it. Um, I love laughing at the hamster ball because it's stupid. Um, <laughs> that was a highlight. I agree. But Highlight, low light. Um. I, I think that I like where they were going for like Jen, I liked what they were doing with most of the episode, like the idea of people not listening to you. I didn't really cue into that too much. Um, I don't know why I just didn't. Um, but I was more paying attention to the fact of like people ignoring you because something's wrong with you or, um, that feeling of like, uh, disappearing. Um, so I liked how they handled that. I also liked how they kind of hinted at, things that either people criticized Hoshi's character for that then the character could be insecure about. And so they were coming out throughout yeah. this whole yeah. thing of like, Hey, Hoshi, you should be able to understand this language by yourself. Cause everyone's like, Oh, Hoshi, she's a yeah. prodigy. Why is she that way? And then, yeah, right. Like, and then you have this insecurity of like, well, she doesn't believe herself to be a prodigy. Cause she knows that it's a skill. It's not like I'm a wunderkind. Yeah, um, and so she then gets put up against something. I can't figure it out, but everyone thinks I should be able to figure it out. Ah! Right, and, ah! and then and then yeah, the yeah, other yeah. officer who comes in can suddenly do it instantly for some reason. Yeah, right. Um, because, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I think how you have those thing, how you have those concerns that people were voicing about the character, but then being brought 
into the character of her expressing them of like, that's not me, or I'm worried about this, or why are people saying this? And so it's yeah. like, I thought that that was interesting how that got brought in. Gotcha. Um, so, but <clears throat> then she's able to overcome her fear of transporters. I did find it funny how it did kind of tie into the other, like TNG TOS, like you, you had the classic, I don't like transporters, old man McCoy kind of attitude, <laughs> yeah, which right. is great. It was like, ha, ho, she doesn't like the transporters. Um, but then you see like, that is still experimental. So you have the justification for Barkley and all these other things later, like the transporter. It's a, it's a very powerful tool, but this is one of those episodes where it's like, it shows it's also dangerous. Right. And Enterprise, I think has generally been pretty good for the most part about showing that the transporter is it's safe, but it's not. And right. so I think that just, just like the holodeck. <laughs> yes. But even more so with this. And right. so I, I think that this episode, if you just take it from like that sort of meta viewpoint, there's a lot of interesting things about how the transporter is and how it affects your mind, which is interesting, but because of the ending, it's just kind of, eh. <laughs> so it's just kind of mad. All right, Todd, take us home. Where do you land? Uh, I'm going to call this episode the yellow wallpaper or the, uh, the, the writer of this episode just read the yellow wallpaper. If you don't remember that book, it's an early feminist uh, book about a woman essentially going insane. She's there's yellow wallpaper and she abs- is absorbed into the wallpaper. It's kind of like a madness. It's, that's it's that's new one on me. You how women me. are not treated well. It's, it's a really cool piece of literature. So I'm guessing the, the, the writer was uh, influenced by that because essentially she's getting absorbed in the trans, the transporter, uh, not being ignored, not, not being uh, recognized, uh, ignored, and uh, yeah, uh, not a great episode, especially um, to your point. No, not a lot of character development. Hoshi was okay, but I think maybe in a better writer's hands, there had been more uh, depth to the story and to the characters. Uh, but at this point, I, I didn't feel like as someone who wasn't as familiar with uh, Enterprise, I didn't feel like there was a lot going on with the characters. I mean, I'm like, oh, I, I really like their take on a specific uh, entrance. Uh, Flock seemed aloof. Uh, yeah. Archer seemed a little bit, I don't know, kind of disaffected at times. And then yeah. sometimes he was really sad. And same with T'Pol, um, too. T'Pol was like, well, somebody yeah. else figured it out, so okay. But remember that these versions of the characters are not supposed to be exactly correct. Like right. Yeah, it's right. very true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. bookended. We only see re- the, the real versions of the characters for a total like six minutes of screen time, probably. So, yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I, I thought it was okay. I've seen worse tropey episodes uh, of Star Trek, but um, yeah, this one didn't make me like, oh, I've got to watch more uh, Enterprise. Uh, yeah, right. So in that case, it didn't really succeed, especially, you know, this is the second season. You kind of feel like, I don't know. I think th- the third season of Enterprise is where it gets like. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was long and episodic and it had this one oh, okay. true storyline, which, which was starting to become a thing because okay. it was in 2004, yeah. I think 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give it a three and a half. I'll kind of go in between. Yeah, All right. So, so we got yeah. we got a three, three and a half, and two fours. All right. Good deal. Uh, nothing super interesting in the background information. This was filmed over Scott Bakula's birthday in early October, and he got a red carpet celebration. 
and production personnel wore black caps with the word captain on it to mark the occasion. It does note that, yes, uh, guest actor Keo Young played Hoshi's father, was Buck Pokai in the Deep Space Nine episode, If Wishes Were Horses, and Crewman Baird, who takes Hoshi's place, was an alien in the Star Trek episode uh, Living Witness, which we're actually going to be talking about in segment two. How exciting! What a great segue. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this up. Todd, thank you for jumping in. Uh, I'm excited about this new segment. We, you know, we're working, kind of working some of the bugs out because we had some conversations about how uh, how we really want to do this. This does actually uh, broaden our show a little bit, makes our show a little bit longer, and I think we had some great conversations. So I was excited about that. Todd, in passing, because you're, you're going to be leaving us, uh, where do people find you out there in the world? Uh, very quickly, uh, for all things Secret Friends Unite, go to secretfriendsunite.com, go to uh, threads, at tiaxtra, at secret.friends.unite uh, for us and then Twitter very similar as well so yeah yeah very good awesome thanks well, for Todd, having me on yeah Todd thanks again and uh, after a brief pause we will return to finish season 4 of Star Trek Voyager we'll be back Alrighty, right back again for part two. Uh, we are wrapping up season four of Star Trek Voyager. Dun dun dun. Does not include the Garbage Man episode that Peter watched by mistake, <laughs> but we won't talk about that until we get to the first uh, portion of season five of Star Trek Voyager. But uh, anyway, yeah, we are uh, we're we're on the home stretch, uh, and so uh, I will kick it off. Uh, by talking about episode 21, the Omega Directive. Uh, director is Victor Lobel. Uh, Lisa Klink did the teleplay with story by Jimmy Diggs and Stephen J. K. Just kidding. Stephen, just kidding. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't recognize their names. Not sure they're regulars, but who's to say? From April of 1998, Janeway undertakes the Omega Directive, a Starfleet order, which they don't mention here, uh, to destroy Omega molecules, even if it means violating the prime directive. So this is our first touch of Voyager. Uh, do now again several episodes back. Uh, we met, uh, you know, they, they had the Herogen thing with the network and they connected with Starfleet. So Starfleet knows they're alive and they got a bunch of letters and blah, blah, blah. But this is the first time they're taking on a standing pre-programmed Starfleet mission that only captains know about that you know in the alpha quadrant when you find out about it everything shuts down and they bring in a uh yeah, a special group of nerds to tell you what to do about it <laughs> and uh a special group a special group of nerds it could be an episode title uh but we'll see we'll see what develops um but uh it's it's funny because much like what happens a lot in this block of episodes you got and in the last one you got janeway uh and seven are just loggerheads they can't make their mind up you know, uh, Seven as a Borg is like the, this Omega molecule is perfection. The Borg found it once for 0.12 seconds before it, it nuked us. But it's like it's it's the it's the Borg Jesus, for lack of a better, in, in the form of a molecule. Um, so they're, they're loggerheads about that. Janeway realizes she doesn't have anybody, obviously, uh, to form a super team of nerds to help her out. So she's got to let her regular team of nerds, meaning her senior <laughs> staff, uh, get involved and help out and uh, find out because this Omega uh, molecule is, is being direct. It's within sensor range. It's some alien race that's messing with it. And uh, if it detonates, it destroys subspace, which means they're going to be effectively stranded for a very long time to come. So, um, yeah, I dug this episode thought it was cool uh it's neat that they could find a way to 
to bring core Star Trek back into it with this Omega directive, which is something that, you know, is in the, in the back of the head of all of our other captains, because they've all, you know, all of our 24th century captains. Cause I think they reference the original incident having taken place, maybe post TOS. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but anyway, you know, Picard and Cisco and, and our other captains uh, would all know about it as well. So yeah, I thought that was cool. It was a good way to, to kind of suck regular, uh, regular alpha quadrant T stuff back into it. So uh, Peter, your thoughts. Um, <clears throat> I quite enjoyed this episode. Um, I mean, for me, the, the bit where, oh, um, Janeway and seven are butting heads. It's not old yet, but at least when I was going through the rest of them, it's like, okay, get it. They butt heads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's so like, I mean, I, I do like how you have like the Borg viewpoint and then, then the Starfleet viewpoint where it, cause they needed that conflict of like, well, Seven of Nine wants to save the particles because they're perfection, and then Janeway wants to destroy them because, well, Starfleet said so, and they're also extremely dangerous. Um, so, I enjoyed this one. It's it was interesting that like it's like no one's been able to stabilize it or do anything, and then you have this little alien race that's trying to make it. it's like. And like oh. this little, you make us sound like the Keebler elves. We're working in our little. Well, I mean, they're not like diminutive, <laughs> but just like they're in their own pocket of. The, yeah, they're uh, they're pre war So yeah, so it's yeah. it's it's like it's like finding I don't know the Aztecs working on a nuke. And right. So How did you guys get that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just so like that was just a little odd. Yeah. For me, just because it's like you're working with technology that not even the Borg can handle and you're like not even the level of enterprise. Right. Exactly. Um, they, they, they so, get caught, they get caught in the transport like Koshi did. Yeah. So, <laughs> but overall I really like how they do it, deal with it. I thought it was kind of fun how at the end seven is able to like observe the Omega particle for longer than the Borg did before they're able to nix it. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't destroy the ship. So, you know, that's a plus. That's a big thumbs up. Um, I like that. Well, well, so, well mannered, well mannered. Cool. Yeah. Good deal. All right, Jen. So um, I like this episode. Uh, I remember this episode being one that I one that I really enjoyed because of introducing this aspect of spirituality to Seven, mm-hmm. who is normally like so pragmatic, right? Right. Um, I liked the flip of from the previous episode, uh, Prey, where you had Janeway going, no, we have to reach out to the species and seven going, no, we have to destroy it. It's dangerous in this right. one. That's it's, reversed. Yeah, so I, I like that. That's it, it shows the variety of their, of their character. It's not a bad thing that they will have different standpoints on different things. It does in a way seem a little bit like, well, they're going to have a difference of opinion just because they have to have a difference of opinion. Um, I said that when they went down to the planet and Tuvok reminded Janeway that this would be a violation of the prime directive. And she's like, you know what? No, you can have a little prime directive violation as a treat. Like she's treating it like we're going to. Oh, prime directive cheat day is now the name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, score. Nice work, Jen. Nice work. (laughs) Um, And I know that we haven't really talked about discovery much, but I just recently rewatched all of Discovery, and man, this would have been so much better of an explanation for the burn. Oh, yes, totes. yes, it would have totally. Oh my and god, you're right. They even mention um, 
boromite and the subspace damage, which is an awful lot like the DMA's Discovery Season 4. Oh my gosh, they're data mining Voyager to make Discovery. Oh, but not even there's well. more. Oh, there's more boy. coming on, yeah. But oh, like, boy. I'm like, this really just would have been a better way to explain the burn, and I'm just going to leave it at that in case Fair. anyone hasn't seen Discovery. Right. Um, if the Borg had actually succeeded in synthesizing Omega at like a volume and exploded themselves accidentally, great. That'd be that's cool. Yeah, that would be, be a very appropriate way for the Borg, who are always adapting, to make take themselves out like punks. Yeah, right, right, so. right, right. Ooh. Because we don't see the Borg in this is in Discovery. Right. Yeah. So, so where they're at? My, my, my. <laughs> that's just my opinion. I like it. Wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I did, did not really think about it that way. I love it. Good deal. So, well, all right. Well, okay. We'll move on, Jen. Uh, since we're going clockwise, to my view, you get the next episode. <laughs> oh, goody. Um, <laughs> sorry. Unforgettable. Uh, directed by Andrew Robinson and did, written by. Did you call it unforgivable or unforget- unforgettable? Because <laughs> I'm like unforgettable. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, Andrew Robinson. Andrew Robinson and uh, written by Greg Elliott and Michael Perricone. Aired April 22nd, 1998. An alien female from a cloaked ship asks for Chakotay by name and requests asylum on Voyager from her people. Hmm. So this lady shows up looking for Chakotay. She says that she knows him and they had this whole love affair, but she's like the silence on Doctor Who and you forget her if you're not looking right at her. Um, The tricorder won't register her. She says that she's got this pheromone that blocks the long-term memory engrams of other people. So It's a very, very (laughs) convenient explanation for us never having seen her before and no one on Voyager remembering who she is. And like... She fell in love with Chakotay? Okay. <laughs> uh, you saying if she fell in love with, like, Harry Kim might have been more believable? <laughs> more people have fallen in love with Harry Kim, surprisingly. I Oh, yeah. This was the only real Chakotay romance episode, but for the will they, won't they with your... There was another one with the um, with the Borg lady. The, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Riley, what's yeah. her So, like, there's been a few... Yeah. There's been a few. I just, Chakotay is not my favorite character, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, So it seems like it's a really good grift. They're really sort of questioning, like, what does she want from us? Um, Yeah, it's like the Nigerian prince scam. (laughs) Right, right. It feels like a scam. It's like, well, yeah, there's a totally good reason why you can't remember me. And it's it's this terrible thing. Yeah, yeah, Give me your social security number and your debit card. (laughs) uh, We'll we'll figure this out. So the funny, ironic thing here, maybe appropriate, is that I did forget her name when I was watching this episode. I just kept referring to like the lady in my notes. That, 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 the blonde lady. The lady. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There was not a lot that I liked about this episode. And in the end, it's like her people come get her and erase her memory. And Chicote is trying to like, go, no, we were in love. So it Maybe I love you. Well, sorry. And they're, they're like, you know, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know. I'm, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. It's yeah. forgettable. Unforgettable okay. is forgettable. Forgettable. But, forgettable. Uh, I did like Neelix's speech at the end, though, where he's talking about like the nature of love. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Especially for a guy who's loved and lost, you know, lost, lost yeah. family, lost Cass. Yeah. 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 
So yeah. there's there's at least a nice little button on it at the end, yeah. but Good not my favorite. I hear you, Peter. Um, I had something and then it jumped away. You forgot it. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's appropriate. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to buy you um, some time. I, oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say no, I'll jump in. Go for a second. Time. I need to see if I can re- reclaim that. That's okay. Uh, my recollection of this is the uh, blonde lady is actress uh, Virginia Madsen, who for the longest time I was absolutely certain was an adult film star, but I'm mixing her up with Tracy Lords, who is another <laughs> kind of buxom blonde from the 90s. Um, and the thing I remember Virginia Madsen from the most was a horror movie set in Chicago, which, Jen, I've mentioned before, you said, I don't know, horror movies was Candyman which starred Tony Todd, the early 90s. It was all about the Cabrini Green uh, housing projects and a a legend about this dude named Candyman. Oh, God, I've said it twice. I can't say it a third time or he'll show up. Uh, That was the crux of the movie. But I remembered her from that. She did also get naked in that, but that does not make her an adult film star. I (laughs) don't know why that's stuck in my head. But, uh, yeah, to to punctuate it, Jen, you've you've said it all. Um, Super convenient plot line. And at the end of it, no stakes uh, and no real reason why they fell in love so it's kind of like you know you didn't like said so yeah i mean it just it didn't really affect (laughs) chakotay's characters like oh i carry this with me and this great lost love of mine and blah blah blah. it's just kind of kind of for nothing so yeah it's it's a for nothing kind of deal peter i did finally remember what i was gonna say (laughs) um it sucked (laughs) well kind of but i think for me the ending wasn't as bad because Chakotay did still honor her request, even though it didn't end up the way that either of them were expecting. Um, That's true. The the main reason that I say that is because I'm thinking of another film that had something happen just like that. And the character did not honor that request. And it pissed me off. Er, boo. Um, so uh, the most recent Spider-Man film. Um, oh yeah. So, oh. It's it was one of those like say what you will about the rest of the story. Chakotay honored what he said, and I appreciated that element for his character in this episode. That he did like someone made a request, and even though it's like, oh well, maybe I don't really feel in yeah. her in full cognizance, she made that request and he followed it. So I <laughs> liked that, even though she didn't go with it afterwards, it didn't pan out how I how she thought, well, I'll fall in love with you again. That's not what happened. Hashtag, um, hashtag my people approve. Yeah, but it was just that's like the one takeaway from this episode that I thought was good, probably just because the other yeah. version yeah. of this just annoyed me so much. I hear you. Well, it did show that Chakotay does have integrity. Yeah. yeah. And he's going to follow through on what he says he's going to do. And that is a consistent thing about his character. It is. Yeah. Like as much as he had, as much as like the writing makes him do some weird things at various points, or there's other things about his character that are a little wonky. There's yeah. a lot of good things in Chakotay and that's one of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Something good to take away. All right, Jen, you get the next one. Which hey, no, I, I haven't had one yet. Peter's getting the next one, which was, yeah. oh, man, did I love this one when it came out. I wish it was mine, but Peter, it's yours. All right. This is episode 23, Ooh. Living Witness, directed by none other than Tim Russ, told yeah. by Brian Fuller and Ooh. Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Oh, big the, triple the, yeah. crown there. Right. Story nice. by Brandon Braga. Uh, aired April 29th, 1998. 
A Kyrian museum curator, 700 years in the future, hopes a relic from Voyager containing a copy of the Doctor, though they don't know that yet, can right. confirm their version of history. Ooh, um, baby. So the, the interesting thing is like the first like 25 minutes of this episode, you don't even have, like the Doctor's not there yet. You're right. getting the alternate version of the events. Yeah. Right. Um, you're, so you're it's re- interesting how you're yeah. just experiencing like, you're. it begins and you're like, what is going on here? It's like a good 10 minutes in before they finally like, this is a museum. You're like, Oh, "Oh, that's what's going on here. I just love Janeway, regular jumpsuit, just like what you see Peter wearing. If you're watching no badge and black, black, yeah, black undershirt. And she has this very like prison warden haircut and (laughs) black gloves. Oh, yeah. It's It's like, it's, I keep ahead. saying it's the closest thing that Voyager gets to a Mirror Universe episode. It true, is. True. Yeah, yeah, big time. And it's a good twist on it because yeah. it's not an actual Mirror Universe. It's right. it's something that's showing like how history passed down, especially yeah. if you want to tell a different, a specific uh, narrative, can be twisted to something it's not. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I really liked how, like you saw the, the crew, but they weren't themselves uh, I did like the doctor's quip of like, well, outside of Mr. Paris, everyone's totally different, <laughs> which is really like, knife. just yeah. like, doctor, you really don't like Tom. It's just I love how, that. That's just, your, it's like, you're just always, yeah, yeah it's just yeah. funny. Um, yeah. So like how the doctor is an Android, he's artificial, but he's not a hologram. He's an Android. Right. Tuvok so- has emotions, but he's like evil. <laughs> And well, you know what? That goatee is what seals the deal because one is not a goatee in this one. No, he he totally did, didn't he? No, he didn't. It was weird. He didn't have a goatee. He should, but he didn't. Right. Kim is still. Chakotay had like the whole face. Chakotay had like a Maori tattoo on his face. It wasn't like. And yeah, Harry Kim had really greasy hair. Tom Paris kind of looked the same. Tom Tom was Tom, and that was that was kind of the shtick, which was funny. Yeah, he's the only consistency. There was no Balana. Could have been this was. Yeah. Maybe, she was maybe, the transporter operator, right? Yeah. No. Could, this could have been the episode where Roxanne uh, Roxanne Dawson was having her baby. Uh, could maybe. have been because so, she was yeah. working that season, so it's just kind of a convenient. But yeah, uh, so yeah th- this is an episode where we had discounting the doctor who is a copy of his program, which is a thing they decided to introduce. Uh, no members of the cast appear as themselves. Correct. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's, there's holograms yeah. eventually where you when you have the doctor retell the right. version of history that he knows. So, so yes, all of our people are holograms. Yeah. But it was, um, it's a very interesting story of um, you know narrative shift yeah. and how people mm-hmm. use history to justify their own vision. Right. Um, so you have like, oh, we were the oppressed ones. It's like, well, you were kind of the jack wagons who started. Yeah, you were the ones <laughs> killing people. So yeah, but yeah, you turn um, around. And, and 700 years is a long time. Think backwards of our own. What was going on on this planet 700 yeah, years ago? Very yeah. different. Yeah. So exactly. it's, it's just an interesting take. And because they set it on an alien world that had nothing to do with Earth and had very little to do with any of our particular struggles with that sort of history stuff, mm-hmm. right. it, it was able to make its point. And yeah. that I think right. is a very good way to do it because it's like it's 700 years. It's not even the Federation. There's no one we know, but we're dealing with this concept of history being, you know, uh, revisionist history. And, right. and because it's separated from earth and our history, 
the two sides are not necessarily analogous to, to any other particular group, which know. is very, very helpful when you want to address the concept. Right. So, which is, so it was which very is, good at doing that. Yeah, which is why I think that this episode for me is a, is a good touchstone of when Star Trek does that sort of thing right. Yes. Uh, or, or at least very, very well. Because yeah. like the analogs, if you want to read into it, there are some like yeah, there are. Race, race mentioned. I have Syrian friends. Them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah. yeah, some of the lines that we hear about certain yeah. uh, group struggles. Yeah, but they're different enough, and they're aliens, and the only difference is like prosthetics around the nose. Like right. On the nose, that, yeah, the, the slightly yeah, it, different it's not too on the nose for differently <laughs> placed uh, ridges. <clears throat> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, cool, awesome. Yeah. Jan, I, I the, well, oh god, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Uh, I, just as a side note, I think because it's 700 years, that puts us right around like the 29th century. Right. So interesting to see if the Doctor is still around. Like, I would love right. to have him as a cameo in the final of. Uh, right. Discovery just for yeah, grins and just, giggles. Just he'll be right. around. Right. But yeah, still, on his, still on his little shuttlecraft making that long trip. So, so depending yeah. on timing, this is right around the time of the burn, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this wasn't yeah. something that had been conceived of by the, you know, when Voyager was happening. Right. But taking into account, they're like, we don't know what the Federation is. We don't know if Starfleet still exists. It's like, it's a neat way to tie into that. Yeah. Again, it's a retroactive continuity thing that I'm really only paying attention to because Discovery is so fresh in my mind right now as I'm watching it in preparation for season five. But it's neat to see that there's some level of consistency. But um, Brian Fuller wrote this one, right? He was part of the writing team on it. Yeah, yeah. He went on to be a big part of Discovery. I mean, he didn't stick around, but he was a part of that. And, um, yeah, no, I, I like this, and I really like how at the end, too, you've got them zooming out again, because there's yeah. another layer to it, and they're like, and this is how our species, you know, got our, got our issues. Got our, got our shit. Yeah, exactly. so yeah. I I thought that was really cool, and, you know, it's it's not a good first episode to show someone, no. even though <laughs> yeah, it's, a, very, very, be very it's a great yeah. Star Trek thing, but, like, I, I thought about that for a while, I'm like... Yeah, but your first 20 minutes are like evil Janeway going, we must use force instead of diplomacy. And it's like, that's the opposite of the Starfleet <laughs> way. Like, come on. Yeah, come on, so, prison. prison not a good introduction, yeah. but a great a great Star Trek story. Yeah, most def. Yeah, you guys have covered it all. And again, I love the absolute misdirection of the, uh, certainly of the cold open, uh, where up to which we, it is only at the end of that cold open, obviously before the credits, before we get our, our museum docent, who's our, our, our main character, who then interacts with the, uh, you know, doctor version, you know, 1.111, you know, is the same guy. Um, uh, and, and it's funny that the, he's a copy of the doctor bit, kind of holds up but it kind of doesn't hold up because the other the doctor will be lost forever unless we do blah 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 well you said you had a copy you know this was their copy but the copy could have been made any time yeah after the fact because this is 700 years in the future so it doesn't necessarily have to be from this point because just a couple episodes ago we had a message in a bottle and it's like we don't have him he's over there yeah right there's only one copy of him so maybe at some point Maybe after they thought to be a copy of him yeah, yeah. before yeah. they, 
left the Delta Quadrant. Right, because again, this and lost is, it. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, well, and we lost it again because this episode is of course, much like most, you know, not or it could have, it could have never mentioned it doesn't again. even necessarily have to be before they left the Delta Quadrant because we know that people are eventually going to go back to the Delta Quadrant at some point. Oh, yeah, okay. So it could have been any time. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking years. more that it would have to be a copy from this particular event because that's all he remembers. Yeah, right. and, and it was but we don't it was know left when this behind. Event yeah, took place. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, so you don't know that this that is, is at true. all chronological. This could have happened three weeks before the final episode of the se- of the series. Yeah. Yeah, because the, yeah, there's nothing to take it back. I lo- oh, this would be a great thing to, to split up and, and and talk about more. But we should move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're jumping into uh, episode 24, which is Demon, directed by Anson Williams. All right, guys, get ready for Over Your Head, because Anson Williams played uh, Potsy in Happy Days. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, my You've God. Mentioned that before. Existence, I know. I know you and you were a bit because of me. Uh, the story is by uh, Andre Boreamis, who is a uh, science advisor to TNG, obviously moved into a writing role here, and teleplay by Ken Biller, again, a, a regular name of the series. For May of 1998, Paris and Kim take a shuttle down to an extremely inhospitable Y-class planet to obtain fuel and dis- and discover a new form of life. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, in one of the few episodes uh, that I can think of that gets a great, very misdirection-y kind of sequel. Uh, in season mm-hmm. six, I think? I'm not sure. Have to look that it up. Some confused the living crap out I know. Of just I like, just, yeah, just like the Living Witness episode. You're like, what the hell is going on here? Um, but yes, uh, great concept. Something that comes up in Voyager pretty frequently is that they're out of gas. You know, because they can't stop at a starbase to, you know, get more deuterium, so they're going to run out of juice. Um, so they, they, they're in that situation, and they're looking for anything that they can before they're totally dead in the water. And that's when they find, you know, the super inhospitable planet that has, it looks like it has what they need. Um, but they end up bumping into uh, this, you know, mimetic goo which grabs them and uh, because a class Y planet is, as you said, completely inhospitable or as Tuvok mentions, the very most inhospitable anything that you'll ever find anywhere. Um, and yeah, it ends up reproducing uh, uh, Tom and uh, Harry because uh, when the rescue party goes down to find them, they don't have their suits on anymore. They're like, I-, I woke up and then I was fine. And he's just wearing his regular outfit. And then, but when they get them back to the ship, they're, 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 they're suffocating because they can't breathe air they have to breathe demon juice, which is down on this planet. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so naturally in a very Star Trek-y kind of way, they figure out a way to, to because this is the way that this, this demon class species reproduces. They have to absorb and then uh, live in the, the copy of the person they, they've copied. Um, so Voyager makes a deal. Uh, which is funny because it's it's cloning, which remember back in TNG, the season two episode where the cloners wanted to clone Riker and Pulaski and Jordy. Oh, yeah. Up the long no, ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, there's no way there's going to be a copy of me out there. That's terrible. And the Voyager people are like, you know what? That's a fine deal. We'll go ahead and do that. Because then the demon people copy everybody. Voyager gets their gas. They take off. And the really incomprehensible part of this is that, yes, all the demon people are down there, but they then somehow recreate Voyager, which is weird. And then they get on Voyager, fly away, and their brains forget that they're demon class people. And then now in that sequel episode, which we'll talk about, as I said, much further down the road, uh, they forget that they're demon class people. Um, But anyway, for the purpose of this episode, 
nice <laughs> you know <laughs> it solves a problem um but uh yeah i don't know i thought you know i thought it was okay um but yeah there are parts of it of the sequel portion of this which are kind of problematic because they aren't really addressed in this but hey what are you gonna do um so yeah i thought it was okay uh jen i think it's okay too um it's one of those that sticks out in my mind because the biomimetic goo is such a unique concept. Yeah. Um, I got to give my props to Harry Kim, who is trying his best uh, to speak up and be heard. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I did like, you know, he decided to kind of nut he's up. Trying. Like, he's like, I am not, please, please, please give me another pip. Please. Come on. Yeah, come on. I can do um, it. It's not that hard. He's, he's trying. So props to him for that. Um, I like that uh, Janeway's solution is respectful of the crew so that she's saying that you can copy our people, but they have to give consent. Right. So yes. Unlike up the wrong ladder just, where they just, they just, yeah, they just clone raped them. So, sorry so for it's, uh, it's, um, it's respectful at least. Uh, and then you have the people who are volunteering to be copied. Yeah, and yeah. it looks so, like everybody, everybody does it, uh, or I think, I think most. we don't see anybody dissenting, really. I yeah. don't think. Well, I mean, it's not really touched on at all because it's just then you flash your shot, Voyager's taken off, and you see little people underneath. So you're just yeah. assuming that there's a hundred so, odd people down there. It's a problem. There's a solution. There's a weird thing that happened. You know, that's cool. that we, we put what, we, <laughs> one thing on the other thing. I love the Lego Movie, Peter. Yeah, yep. uh, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, is I like the moment where you had Tom discover that he's not Tom Paris. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Maybe up until know. this moment, I thought I was Tom Paris. Like there was there's some good acting in here when you have the characters who discover that they're not right, um, right, right, right. The, the originals are the copies. Um, I have a soft spot for this episode because there was an, a role playing game that I was in that actually used this as a story. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, cool. Which is hilarious because then I had to play two versions of my character. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Imagine a Vulcan and then a, someone who looks like one but isn't. Um, and so it gets all the shenanigans. Um, so it's entertaining. But I do like how this one actually has a follow through because a lot of episodes don't, um, where you get like the next like okay so we have a copy of the crew what happens to them that's a story they're just it's, floating around out there there's just right. a bunch of voyager starfleet people sitting on this planet what it's like I, the dead harry kim from the other episode where they were copied yeah uh, which, yeah which he mentions even this he says hey i've even died but he's died he died twice because he died in that season one thing where they had to put him in the yeah yeah they yeah. had him back he's yeah, died back. a couple times and that's yeah. the thing like it's like scotty like this where like and and Neelix died and got better. Yeah. And like yeah. people on Voyager keep dying and getting better or getting copied. And right. um, yeah. Yeah. And it's never addressed on how that will affect someone. Like, no, yeah. it's just fine. It's especially, fine. Especially the, especially the copying thing. I'm never really a fan of leaving that unaddressed. Like yeah. for instance, in deep space yeah. nine, where we had the copy of, O'Brien that oh that's like yes it's, it's yeah, a copy one. of him from four hours in the future and it's just like but yeah. now okay or so, the yeah the 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 pari- the one where every he thinks everybody's against him but he's the copy and we just get that in the end when he gets zapped in season two yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like so like the copying bits I'm not the biggest fan of but like and 
Yeah, and and then having people die and come back is a it's a little weird. Like you think that they're traumatic. Yeah, yeah. or ever come up again and just be like, ah, well, you know, them's the break. Well, other than, yeah. other than a joke. Cause it's like in yeah. the rest of the shows, it's like, if someone dies, like they're dead. Right. Like, so you, you, like you don't dead, come dead. back from that. <clears throat> yeah. Not mostly dead. This is going through their pockets for loose change dead. So <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter, I don't know. I don't know how you're spending your nights, but that's all right. A Princess bride reference. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's, that's come good. On, Miracle Max. Max. What? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Not like a Thanos dead, you know, it's the snap. No, not dead. that kind. Not, yeah, I'm not the witch and the chief engineer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. Let's move on <laughs> to uh, whose turn is it? Now, now I've totally forgotten. I, I think it's Jen. It's me. Okay. There you oh, go. good. Uh, the next episode is One, directed by Kenneth Biller and written by Jerry Taylor. The Boss. Aired May 13th, 1998. Seven of Nine is left alone on Voyager when a nebula's deadly radiation forces the rest of the crew to stay in stasis and the doctor's holographic program is disrupted. So they find this nebula that they can't pass through without people like having biological issues. They're, they're starting to have headaches. They're starting to have issues. They propose that they go into stasis. It'll be seven and the doctor because the technological parts, you know, the doctor's hologram. So he should be fine. He's all technology. Seven's, Mostly technology, some technology, so she will be fine. Right. Um, and then she's not fine. Aw, um, now you're not fine. Womp womp. And, like, I really like this episode. I mean, yes, I love Seven, but regardless of the, whichever character this would be, I think that it would be one that I like. Um, there is a study here of connection versus isolation. Um it talks a lot about fear and anxiety, um, what you're used to, and how being isolated harms that, changes that. Um, in a post-pandemic world, this episode in particular takes on a different type of significance mm-hmm. for me personally. Just yeah. oh, I hear that. Um, you've got this guy coming on in the middle because he's trying to get through the nebula too. Seven's not registering that he's a creepy creeper. <laughs> creepy creeperson. And until she does, and then she's like, you will not be accommodated and tries yeah, to right. like get him out. She's like, yeah, no, right. you're, you suck. Get out of the ship. And he keeps coming back uh, in her mind as um, she starts to hallucinate. She starts to uh, see and hear other crew members who are, were they on fire in this one? Something burned. was going on. They were, they were yeah, burned. Burned. yeah, everybody was melty because so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what Nebula did. Made everything <laughs> melty. <laughs> <laughs> A foreshadowing of the other. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, for someone who is so unflappable and so I will adapt and so just determined to power through any traumatic experience, this. Seven recognizes when she's compromised and she recognizes that this is a problem for her. And you see her vulnerable. You see her kind of breaking down. You see um, 
the flashbacks to, you know, the, the trauma of assimilation and her, her not being able to deal with isolation. And it just felt like a really realistic portrayal to me. I thought that, you know, Jerry Ryan's acting is really great in this also. Um, so yeah, I, I really love this one a lot. Gotcha. I, uh, I do like it as well. What I, I guess what taints this one for me is they do the exact same story on Enterprise with T'Pol and the Doctor there. Um, so, so I, it, it diminishes my like of this one because it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a photocopy on the next series. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like everything that you had to say about it. Uh, and again, they, they do take the opportunity to kind of stick some more pins in poor Tom Paris. Cause he was the, you know, he was the, the toddler that kept, yeah, kept getting out of bed and you know, the doctor was making fun of him, but at the end seven was like, well, maybe you just didn't like being alone. And you were like, Oh, that was, I thought that was sweet. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. For some reason, my mind blends with the, the counterpart from enterprise, which was not really done with any particular zest. And so, yeah, but in going back and watching it again and, and not thinking about that aspect of it and remembering, obviously I was, you know, watching it this time. I remember catching this one and thinking, Hey, that's a, that's a good take. Don't you love it? How they can replicate these big, like 150 different stasis tubes and still have the, they, they have the power to do that and to power them. But in the previous episode, they were running out. They must've gotten a lot of gas on the demon planet and had like tanks of it. Like see in the back, <laughs> you know, that they had all this extra juice to, power the replicators but whatever it's a it's a it's a voyager thing it's voyager (laughs) it's voyager it's not supposed to be logical they only have 140 torpedoes proceeds to fire 290 yeah (laughs) same time all right peter your thoughts um i enjoyed this episode um i think that the character development for seven here is pretty solid yeah Um, where she's where you have her begin with her whole like i am borg i don't need anybody blah 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 and then and then you have you do have some people like uh, the doctor going like, well, yes, but this you'll be fully alone and you haven't done that before. Like you've been aloof, but not alone. Aloof uh, and alone. So still, still not good enough to surplant the episode. Title, no, it's not a bad one. So it's it's an interesting thing how she learns about herself of like, I am capable of being self-sufficient, but. Even as an individual, I need other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see her kind of crack that shell. And at the end of the episode where she actually reaches out and doesn't interrogate everyone like the beginning of the episode, which is funny. It was um, funny. Like rapid fire yeah. interrogation. What did you do this weekend? How was this? What did you like about this? What did, Take the yeah. sports you play. Tell me about the sexual nature of your relationship with Tom yeah. Harris. Like yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, but then at the end, like she actually is just like, can I sit with you? Um, which is something that she hasn't done up until the, until this point. Right. Um, and so there's just a really cool moment where she's like able to recognize, like I am still self-sufficient, but that doesn't mean that I also don't need to rely on other people. And you, this is where I think this is, I, I'm not going to say it's a turning point for her. Cause I don't, I think this, I think that they kind of wibble wobble on it a little bit. They do. Um, but, yeah. but it is kind of a point where the character begins to open up and recognize that she is an individual who needs other people. 
yeah. um, and starts to accept the friendship of the rest of the crew. Yeah. And so right. I think and as right. much as Voyager has turning points, this yeah. is as much as it does, one. this is one. And so it's yeah. like, I really, really like that part of it. Um, so yeah. And the ac- acting is solid and all that. So like overall, yeah. I, I think this is a pretty, pretty good episode. Good deal. Awesome. All right. Well, Peter, take us home with the season finale. Episode 26, <clears throat> Hope and Fear. Directed by Werner Colby. Teleplay by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Joe Minoski. Aired oh, not, not May, Rick Berman. Okay. <laughs> May 20, 1998. Paris and Neelix return from a mission with a passenger called, named Arturus, another one of Neelix's bad decisions, who knows more than 4,000 <laughs> languages. He manages to decode a message from Starfleet that would lead to a way home. But of course it would. But of course it is not the way that it appears. <laughs> nope. Even so, Jane, Janeway's skepticism is great. Well, we've had other opportunities that haven't worked out. And our guest star is uh, Ray Wise, who is a great that guy, kind of 90s and aughts uh, actor, and played Lico in the Who Watches the Watchers episode of TNG in season three, where hmm. he was the guy who thought Picard was the Picard. He was the god oh, because misun- he misunderstood that being resuscitated sense. near death. I was yeah, trying to like place him. <laughs> Like, he was also one of the uh, one of the gang in RoboCop. Uh, oh. well, yeah, that's a bit was, point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bit point. But yeah, and but he was in Twin Peaks as well. If you watch that show, which I really didn't. But anyway, that's yeah. my Ray Wise biography for you this episode. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but overall, this is a cool episode. This is where we actually get to see the Dauntless design, which makes a return mm. prodigy. Yes, uh, which I thought was an interesting design choice for Prodigy, because right? Because yeah. it's, it's an alien ship, right? Uh, not Federation, but you know, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> they can take designs wherever they want. Um, but you have a uh, character who has like Hoshi like abilities, mm-hmm. uh, just ramped up. I know we were talking mm-hmm. about that episode in the beginning. He's got, so that, she, he's got he, that big brain. He's the one. That, he's the one that everyone is trying to make her seem to be. Yeah, um, right. Mm-hmm. Knows so, every knows anything. Can understand any language. Can understand any computer programming language because that's right. just how the species operates. Right, right. Um, like I'm a living universal translator, which is an interesting concept. Like we've yeah. got races that can do all sorts of different things, and so this one is, as far as I can recall, this one's unique in yeah. the sense that just they explicitly talk about the fact that he can grasp any language instead of just, yeah. Hey, we land on the planet and we suddenly are talking the same language. Like, right. Exactly. Directly addresses that, which is interesting. <clears throat> um, but then you have like this call from Starfleet, which fun thing is that they're wearing the first contact uniforms. Cause Shh, we don't talk about that. Happen. <laughs> but Well, it's interesting because Starfleet yes. is actually, it, it's showing that it's from the alpha quadrant. And so right. time has passed. Right. Um, right. So we know it's, Legit. Right. We, now, see we that. know when it is, but they don't. Right. Right. Um, right. So it's, at first when I saw it, I was like, I saw it and I was like, okay, because I didn't remember everything about the episode. I was like, okay, for a second, I was just thinking, okay, they just grabbed the cutout from the Admiral from first right. contact and just threw it in there. So until right. they played the video of him actually right. speaking, I just thought that they just had video. And that, that, that actor, Jack Shearer, played a, a flashback version of an admiral remember when in early in season two when harry kim flew through an anomaly and then this he was experiencing this reality where he was never on voyager jack Shearer oh, yeah was an admiral in that but he was a different guy he had a different name so hmm. this one is the same guy from first contact who the admiral ship has been destroyed but he lived 
obviously, because then he shows up. And you might, we may have to wiki slash memory out for this, but <laughs> it, it is same actor, two different admirals. So they're cousins. Who knows? They're He's cousins. Got the Tom Paris Locarno thing. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Except for they're both they're both okay admirals. They're like okay. they're not like really bad guys. They're not bad admirals. I don't think. No. But anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Um, lots of people look alike. That's lots, pe- lots of people look alike. You've, you, uh, yeah, P- Peter's making it look like I'm scrolling now. Uh, I have <laughs> multiple people. You so. bet. All right, let, Jen. Yeah. Your, Jen, your thought. Your thoughts on this one. Um, the Dauntless was cool. Yeah, the Quantum Slipstream was cool, and it comes back. Um, yeah, we get it back. It, and I like that those two things come back later. Um, yeah. I mean, it in not just in Voyager, but like you said, also in Prodigy. Right. Um, this guy turns out to be a total fraud. Yeah. Oh, He's like, time. He's a- vengeance upon you. Yeah, because- mustache twirling villain. Just- yeah. <laughs> like the the fact that um, Janeway's packed with the Borg meant that uh, the Borg and Species 8472 are no longer at war. This was a species that had been um, unassimilatable. Right. And he's there are clues as to his true purpose and motive there for a while because he's like oh you're you're a borg okay and like fixate on that yeah yeah big time does fixate on that and um again it's more seven in january butting heads as they're both captured by the potato man and um (laughs) that's That's a That's a, that's, a, that's a Simpsons reference when Homer, Homer is sneaking backstage to a U2 concert and the security guards are like, who are you? Potato man. You're two hours late. Where have you been? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, please continue. So, so the guy is totally fine. He's like, all right, as long as it's just Janeway and Seven, you guys can be assimilated. I will have my vengeance. Um, he's totally fine with him also being assimilated because like his people are gone as far as he knows. Yeah, right. I like the fact that at this point, Seven's presented with what she wants, which is the return to the collective. She started this season wanting to go back. And throughout this, when they're talking about like, we get a way to go back to Earth, she's like, I will not go. And you yeah. cannot make me. And I, what are you going to do? Float around the Delta Quadrant by yourself? She's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So there. Yeah. I like that she realizes that that's not what she actually wants because the alternative is presented. Right. So that was cool. And it seems like, it seems like Janeway and Seven have made some inroads here because you have Janeway recognizing that, you know, Seven's Borg adaptations can get them out of the brig. She can pass through the force field. Um, recognizing that, yes, there are some ways in which Seven is superior because of her board technology, but, you know, they're, right. and they're addressing the fact that Seven's been just um, going against everything that Janeway says. She's just being contrary just to be contrary, um, which she yeah. has been doing. Yeah. Grumpy teen. Well, I just want to be contrary. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not going and you can't make me. Uh, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my room. And... I'm going to call dad. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go to my dad. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. Right. So, like, it's a, it's a fine season ending in that it resolves some of the conflict that we started with at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like that we have some skepticism about this, you know, sort of miracle presented here. Um, and Jane is the one who just discovers that, yeah, this guy's a fraud. We got right. the real message from Starfleet, and that's not what they said. And now. they said, uh, yeah. they said, uh, sorry, and we wish you best luck in your future endeavors. <laughs> Basically, yeah. oh, so sad. Uh, I I I enjoyed I enjoyed the the non cliffhangery bit because I I do yeah. you know that you know the, uh, the 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 presupposition is that oh season ending we got to keep everybody hanging through the end of the summer it's got to be a best of both worlds or or scorpion or you know what some of the other you know big cliffhangers that we've had throughout Star Trek I like that this this uh, it was a self contained story but it, it, like you said it set in motion some important things about who had become the two most important characters on the show, obviously. Uh, and, and how they were, they were, they were constantly, you know, loggerheads against each other thought about how this ends because, uh, you know, Janeway and seven are able to escape because, uh, you know, the slipstream technology is adapted to Voyager for about five minutes before it burns out. And uh, so they're able to chase them and rescue them. Now our, our, our tourists and the, his ship arrive in Borg space uh, and he's assimilated, uh, obviously off screen. So now that the Borg have this technology and his, um, his, you know, his sick language skills, isn't there a point at some point in the future where seven gets plugged back into the collective that she could have just maybe kind of snuck that how to make it work the right way technology back in and fix it. I don't know, but it would have ended the show. They would have gotten home too, too quickly. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I mean, that's Kevin already maybe that's, talked about how it was analogous to Borg transwarp technology. Yes. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, so she already so, had an understanding of it anyway. So the Borg really cared more about the, the sick language skills and not the, not the, yeah, they, 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 they like, like the yeah, big, we're good. They, they like the big computer brain. They didn't care. Yeah. About they were, <laughs> yeah, they were not. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, exactly. It's your car. Your car can also do this. And they're like, no, we really care that it can do this. Gets, gets from point A to point B. Uh, all right. Well, wrapping up the season, uh, and again, I, I don't want to say, hey, pick a season favorite, but you're more than welcome to. Um, but at the very least, let's pick a favorite and a least favorite, Peter, uh, of this grouping. And Peter, I'll start with you. Okay. Out of this grouping, um, I think my favorite is Living Witness. Okay. Um, yeah. Fair, same. I'd say same. There's a lot that. going on there. Yeah. Um, in terms of least favorite, I think I'm probably going to be uh, pretty same as everyone else's unforgettable as much as i love andrew robinson yeah it's a bummer this andy robinson but yeah it can't be a and again greg elliott and michael pericone who are the writers i don't know who they are you know it's probably a slush pile deal not a direction problem yeah it's it's just it's it's just not a great story (laughs) it's it's a script that's stinking all right well i already went so jen then that's right back to you then um I love one. I love Living Witness. Um, it's a real close tie between those two. I'm okay. going to lean a little bit more on one just because okay. of that, but it's real close. Um, least favorite is Unforgettable. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a dud. Um, sure. And it, you know what? And it sucks because Chakotay stuck with these bad episodes, and it's not his fault. Right. That, <laughs> you know. Because it's not the Chakotay of it that makes it a bad episode. Like mm-hmm. you said, Peter, it's, you know, his integrity is a part of it. 
and yeah. it's an important part of it. Yeah. It's just a crappy script. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Can't, can't um, you can't really can't you you can't come up with a, a defense. You can't sh- come up with a defense against that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Do we have any favorites from the season as a whole that jump out at you? Don't have to have one if you don't think of one. It's totally fine. Uh, you repel. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would. Um, that one, that one's always tough for me to watch because of the poor ship. I loved um, the uh, two-part. I like the three-part Herogen one, where they where we get the message in a bottle and pray and hunters. That's probably my my triplicate. Peter, one for you. Um, I wasn't here when we talked about them, but I really enjoyed the Killing Game. Ah, uh, I was thinking because, of that one. Yes, that's my because that's it's my runner-up. World War II hologram, hologram yeah. episode, which is just, I mean, it's not just World War II. There's other stuff going yeah. on, too. But, like, that's right. the thing that sticks out, and it's just fun. Yeah, so, fun is good. Like, I it, it, yeah, I wasn't here talking about Year of Hell, either. But yeah, that's, There's more like, tension, gotcha. too, but it's, like, it's just a yeah. fun episode. I like how they get all this random stuff of Klingon <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. yeah. All this random off-the-wall things. It's Klingon's like, killing that. It was my favorite so, part of that one. <clears throat> With that, all right. Well, cool. Uh, that's going to take us to the wrap, guys. So, awesome. That's the end of Voyager. So, for our next episode, we are going to begin Season 4, the final season uh, of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, which was, of course, what kicked us off uh, for, uh, and we'll have a new random sode, which we will not spoil, uh, but you can certainly play at home, I would say, if you're listening to us and want a random sode and drop it in our Discord or hit us uh, otherwise on social media. This is going to be a, a, random sode is going to be a standing feature uh, of the show when we don't have new content to discuss, so that'll probably be something we just continue to do uh, as we move forward, but certainly would entertain suggestions, but it has to be done with the same format, uh, and I might even... Uh, share our random uh, rolling, though you can find them if you go Google random whatever. I know I have it on our spreadsheet so that we can pick one. But yeah, I would love to I would love to get feedback from somebody on our Discord or other social media. So, uh, but anyway, uh, Peter, where do people find you out there? You can find me around the webs at Petrus Aquinas. I don't usually respond that much, uh, but you can find me there. You can find me on the Discord for the... <laughs> Uh, for the Grand Petoskey, and you can find me on uh, ELH's Twitch channel, where I'm currently game mastering a Star Trek game. So The game master. I love it. Jen, how about you? I have a link tree. That's linktree.com slash Jen Watson Art. You will find uh, links to my uh, Tee Public shop, my Etsy shop, uh, my uh, Instagram, Facebook. I am on threads, but I don't really use it much. Uh, and of course my screaming articles. Excellent. Yes. And always so super proud of you, Jen, being out there, <laughs> being, a, being the voice of Star Trek, uh, not only for yourself, but certainly for us. And we love it. Uh, cool. You can find me, uh, over on SFU threads and my personal threads, which is, uh, C three carpenter also integrate, uh, Instagram, uh, spell it out. Uh, biggest, uh, thing that I get involved in our secret friends, discord, but also the discord for the, USS Grand Petoskey, Peter and I are both members uh, of a, the chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club right here in West Michigan. We're the big, one of the biggest ones in the world. Uh, I also have the privilege of being in charge of Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're a trekker within the sound of my voice, please visit sfi.org, ussgrandpetoskey.com, or just Google Region 13 SFI uh, and connect with me. I'm happy to help you find trekkers where you live. So with that, friends, as always, I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking be the starfleet you wish to see in the world peace and long life this podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows articles news reviews and more 
Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.